Hello folks, I'm Elijah today on the What Are You All About podcast. We had Matthew, the drummer for Bloodlines. Um, He talked about everything from being 19 and being really depressed then and how that helped him work through his faith to his first band, which from the sounds of things, he was like exactly how a Christian metal band should be to stuff like (laughs) to the best bully revenge story I've heard at least in a while. So yeah, this was a very fun podcast. I think I say that for everyone, but I think I especially enjoyed this one. And yeah, let's get right into it. You're listening to the What Are You All About podcast. Hello folks, I'm Elijah. Today on the show, we have Matthew from Bloodlines. Matthew, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I just woke up like maybe a little under an hour ago. It's 9am my time. Yes, absolute mad props to you for getting up in time to do a podcast at 9am. <laughs> it's like so not the rock star lifestyle, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like for me today, I rolled out of bed at 9am. So nice. I'm just like, eh. If I really wanted to, I could, well, I have to get up like at quarter to seven for college and that but that's only two days a week so i survive nice but yes so with this podcast we always start with the question what are you all about so matthew however you want to take it what are you all about um i'm really all about pursuing and sharing the knowledge of god um i love reading his word i love telling people about his goodness and i i really just I love living my life to serve and honor Jesus Christ. And I absolutely, um, I adore him with all of my heart because he saved me. He loves me and uh, he calls me worthy. And I, I want to share that good news with people that you can have a, a true living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ. I love that answer. How did you get to a spot where that's what you're all about? Yeah, so um, I, I'm a pastor's kid. I was Same. pretty much born in church and uh, I, lived, I lived that life, you know, that going to church, not going to church. It, it wasn't an option. It was just the life, <laughs> right? Like you were there, yeah. you were in your dad's office or you were hanging out on Wednesday nights till like 11.30 p.m. because someone needed prayer and, and they were talking to my dad. And in in that time i i just grew to love it i grew to love the church and and love the things of god like playing music uh, i was on the worship band since i was 9 years old playing guitar and then later i learned the drums um but uh, as as a typical adolescent and younger teenager into my adulthood i started to experience doubt i started to experience um other world views Mm-hmm. Uh, right outside of high school, right into college, I started studying uh, humanities and, and the liberal arts and, and things like that. So it was really exposing me to uh, Eastern religion, um, other orthodoxies and and other ideas on the creation of the universe. So it, around 19 years old, I started to deal with some severe doubt. And I still believed I knew like within my heart, I was going to believe my whole life, but I was starting to wrestle with these so-called contradictions that I started to see or 
or uh, the idea that you know only only religion is the reason that wars have ever happened and and you know you, you start yeah in your in your worldview you've, you've never experienced uh such resistance against mm-hmm. against it right um so 19 i had this crazy uh deep dark depression uh, episode and it lasted me like two or three months um i just i didn't want to wake up i wanted to stay asleep all day and when i was awake i just played video games for nine hours 12 hours went to sleep woke up did the same thing eating mcdonald's at three in the morning type stuff right and yeah. um, i i felt so bad and i felt so like lost and stuck that i actually went to my mom and said hey i'm so depressed can we please go to the doctor <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah. she took me she took me and the the doctor kind of gave me this list and he asked me a bunch of questions and it was basically a, a list of recent traumas if if i had experienced mm-hmm. um a heartbreak or a breakup or if my family had moved or if I've experienced the loss of a loved one, or if a pet had died or anything in in that regards. And all of my answers were no. And this was a turning point in my faith and in my understanding of God's sovereign will for my life. The doctor himself told me eye to eye, based on this chart, it, it doesn't seem like you should be dealing with depressive episodes like you are. This seems like a spiritual problem. This seems like a spiritual issue. And the doctor prayed with me. This was like one of the most um, unexpected experiences of my entire life. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and um, that that had kind of sent me on a on a downward, upward, every which direction spiral of of <laughs> discovering God for myself. Um, mm. That's something that a lot of pastor's kids and, and minister's kids um, struggle to do. And, and I, that now was my time at 19 years old was to, to really face my faith and, and truly understand if I believed because I believed because of the evidence that I found, or if I was riding on the, the call of my parents or the anointing of my parents or the, the word of God that my parents knew, but not I knew. So um. 19 years old, that happened. I, I kind of just searched within myself, studied. Um, and then two years later, I discovered the only place that I found true joy was uh, like in church and doing the things of God, like worshiping, um, singing and playing music. And, and I realized, oh, I think I should, I should probably uh, pay attention to this desire. Mm-hmm. Um, C.S. Lewis has a quote, I, I believe it goes something like this. Um, if, if the God of the Bible is not real, then he is of no importance at all. But if the God of the Bible is real, then he is of utmost importance there, mm-hmm. you know, that it, it kind of paints the picture of, of lukewarm Christianity. If, if the God of the Bible is false, then yeah, who cares what, what's going on? Who cares what's happening? Uh, life goes on. We're just, uh, we're just cells that came from a cosmic soup that ended up here and now and in our time space continuum but (laughs) since god is real and what he does have to say uh carries the keys of eternal life i think it really really matters that i pay close attention to the words in his book so i decided i was going to go to bible school 
And uh, that at the time, that decision was like four and a half hours away from my house. I wanted to go to a Bible college called Christ for the Nations Institute. And through much prayer and um, time spent just thinking about it, praying into it, hoping for it, um, it God made a way. God totally made a way. And um, I, I actually just finished my studies at Christ for the Nations um, this last May. So it's only been like five months, six months okay. since I, I graduated. So I got a bachelor's degree there of uh, practical ministry, theology with a, with a focus in worship. Yeah. So what was an average week there like? Yeah. An average week at Christ for the Nations was um, 8 a.m. You go to morning chapel and they have the top of the line sound equipment top of the line musicians top of the line worshipers uh do a a worship set for 45 minutes Mm -hmm. and uh that's every day except for wednesday mornings wednesday mornings was uh it was more like you you chose a a niche that you belong to like a student ministry like some people did youth some people did uh, children and families i did worship and arts ministry um but every every morning at 8 a.m it was morning chapel worship and then um, you would take two classes, and then at 11 a.m. every day was a lecture. So everyone would go into the the building together, and and they would have a guest speaker or one of the instructors from the class classes would come and give a lecture. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, like, how would you describe the environment of the place? Like that, if that makes sense. Like, what sort? Yeah. Like what makes that place different from other okay. places? Yeah. yeah. So I think one of the main competitors for a place like CFNI is a, you, you would call them a, a seminary, right? Christ for the yeah. Nations is, is not a seminary. It's, it's not super um, in depth in its like theologies and it's, it's systematics and, and those things. It's, it's really a, a place where you go to surround yourself with people of God who are hungry for God mm. and putting yourself in the position of constantly being able to encounter God. So mm. um, there, there were theological courses, but a lot of the classes you would see like um, the father's heart of God or yeah. um, Jesus uh, or the life and teachings of Jesus um, through the gospel of Mark and really just applying God's word to your life. And um, there, there's a lot of just trying to find freedom and, and, and trying to establish uh, that as your foundation. You, you know, you have freedom in the Lord, you have freedom in the cross. You're not a slave to sin. You have been reconciled by the blood of Jesus. Now start learning now, start taking in the word of God. So that way, when you go out, you're not a, a, a broken worm, you know, constantly (laughs) quoting, Oh, wretched man that I am. When will I be, Uh, freed from this body of sin you're going and saying no i'm a priest of god um i I belong to a holy nation and i can take jesus everywhere i go i can i can become the encounter with god that someone is looking for um so so the difference between christ for the nations and say a seminary is um christ for the nations they are not hard on grades at all you know anyone with a high school education can go in and 
learn and apply it. And, you know, all you have to do is turn in like a two paragraph report on what you learned. <laughs> and, um, you know, they'll, they'll give you books to read. There are assignments in the, in the more isolated, um, uh, courses in like your third year program and stuff. And, uh, I, I believe it differs from a seminary because at seminary you're learning, um, hermeneutics you're learning uh systematic theology you're learning greek you're learning hebrew and uh, uh it's 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 very much a, a scholastic uh, environment you know you're you're, yeah. you're studying the books of the bible like the etymology the sources of history the the writer's life <laughs> and tensions of what was going on historically things like that yeah, for sure. Like my dad, um, he's gone back to seminar in his middle age and he just finished up a master's. So like two weeks ago, he was like, I'm adding periods to the end of all my footnotes. Just to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so I could get this thing done. So yeah, no, congratulations to your dad. Seminary is a, it's a big deal. And I, I think, I, yes. I think I actually want to pursue a, a seminary degree in the yeah. future. Yeah, for sure. I think for a lot of young people, they, they need to encounter something, a real Christian in community that makes sense to them in a way before they yeah. feel like they can move on to seminary or something like that. Um, like for myself, I'm quite fortunate to have a really good community over here in Scotland called Firestarters where we meet up for a weekend every month and like sleep on church floors and like do worship oh, and that's teaching so cool. and praise and stuff like and evangelism and all that jazz mm -hmm. so i'm quite fortunate to have that sort of thing but i think for a lot of people who've never experienced that they really need i don't know dts's are quite popular and stuff like that so mm -hmm. yeah 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 dts dallas theological seminary <laughs> yes um yeah, DTSs are interesting. Like one of my mates, he's moved all the way to New Zealand to help out with them. So he's doing like extreme DTSs, helping out with them where people like go snor snowboarding or whatever and like do epic hikes and like through that, figure out their faith and stuff. So oh, that's cool. What What is a DTS? A DTS, right. Sorry. Um, it's a discipleship training school. Um, okay. And then if you know the organization YWAM, they're the one. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah. So they do these and I think it's like a five month program or something like that. Um, for you just go to a spot in the world. I think it's like three months of training type stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think folks usually do like a two month outreach or something like that after. So wow that's cool very intensive yeah but yeah i'm, I'm yeah. really familiar with ywam um i went on a missions trip and we visited the ywam facilities in in maui and those guys are crazy they're so fun they're they're <laughs> on fire for god and they, they basically yes. like if you if you're not familiar with what's going on it, it basically looks like a commune right uh yeah. to the to the regular person seeing it they're like oh what a bunch of weirdos but like when you really look <laughs> at it it's it's a bunch of people who left their home 
to come mm-hmm. and, and train and study the word. And they also just happen to uh, try and have a self-sustaining little area where they all help. They all yeah. do dishes. They all do chores. They all worship together. I think it's, it's really beautiful. And um, it, I, I learned a lot from the way that they do life uh, and the way that they do friendships over there. It's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Like my mate, um, <laughs> Matt is the guy's name. I absolutely love this man. But he was saying how at one of the Y1 bases they were at, <laughs> they prepared like an absolute long list of pranks for the next group coming in <laughs> to swap out. I was like, that's so amazing. Yeah. But like folks from YWAM, they'll often like come to Firestars as leaders and they just fit right in because it's like the same sort of like slightly crazy living together sort of energy so yeah (laughs) yeah why one people are epic yeah they are (laughs) so (laughs) yes like one of the funnest parts of it is here in scotland we have something called kaylee dancing which is it's kind of traditional dances but it's more just really fun um and some one of them which is called strip the willow is really epic where often folks will get knocked over and during it it's like so it's really fun introducing american people to that and just throwing them right into that so we'll often do that well not fairly often but on the odd occasion we'll doing do that during a fire starters weekend and it's that's hilarious very it's very fun that's hilarious i i would probably be in the group of people that fall yeah because <laughs> yes. when i dance i dance for the lord and it looks mostly just like i'm jumping up and down <laughs> yes i mean i still get knocked over sometimes okay though. okay i think it's a sort of thing where as hard as you want to the harder you go at it the more likely you are to get knocked over it's got okay yeah that makes a sense. little bit to do with skill level but mostly not so yeah kind of yes. like a mosh pit it's basically like a traditional mosh pit kind of nice so it, you're not running at each other necessarily you're more just like constantly spinning around different people by the elbow okay and going really fast and <laughs> i've i rarely come away from them without a few bruises so wow mm-hmm. sounds like you just went to a fit for a king concert yeah <laughs> rarely come out without some bruises yeah, or knock looser. Oh yeah, something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So, how did you get into metal and things like that? Because that doesn't just randomly <laughs> happen. I know, right? Um, I I'm I'm of the the blessed group who had uncles who listened to heavy music, mm-hmm. and um, I had an uncle who. He wasn't a Christian, but he would play like corn uh, and Disturbed and um, he would play Slipknot also. And I remember being a kid, I was like maybe six years old and <laughs> this guy had like these massive subs in the back of his car. So we'd be hearing all this metal music and it's it's like thumping my entire body and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I feel right now. 
And <laughs> I, I just, I really grew to love the music. And that, that was an uncle on my mom's side. I had an uncle on my dad's side who was really into like Striper and Bloodgood. Yeah. And uh, like all those, those older like hair metal type bands. And uh, he was constantly also showing us the metal music that he liked. And I, I don't know how it just, it happened, you know, it happened to be that, you know, had two uncles who showed us rock music. And then my older brother and I were, we're only five years apart, but he and I had the same music style. Yeah. We started listening to Cutlass when they were rock and roll and, uh, <laughs> and then pillar and POD for that new metal flair. And then, um, out of nowhere, I remember like at, at 11 years old, maybe 10 years old, I just, I found dream theater and I started listening to <laughs> Prague. <laughs> so, so I was there like just learning, learning like a, a basically a new language from the ripe age of 11 metal and Prague was my, mm -hmm. was my, my weekly fix and then worship music on Wednesdays and Sundays. <laughs> That's the randomest 11-year-old music, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> dream theater. <laughs> dream theater. <laughs> yeah, so how did you get from that to playing in a metal band? Yeah, um, when I was like 16, maybe 15, 15, 16, um, my older brother and I started a band. And he, he played guitar and sang, and I played the drums. And my older brother was friends with Aldo in high school. Aldo is the bassist of Bloodlines. So, right. so he had two friends from high school. One of them played the bass, and then Aldo played the guitar. So uh, two guitars, a bass, and a drummer. We had a full band. We were ready. And we just started with, like, covers. We started, like, doing Demon Hunter covers and... <laughs> and uh, eventually we we wrote a couple of our own songs and we just practiced for like four years like every friday we would get together and and just play our songs and play the songs that we learned and eventually we started getting invited to play little gigs here and there and um, of course you know local gigs local shows like at the very beginning stages uh, they always go terribly i remember my my very first show ever my my kick pedal like the actual mallet on the kick pedal fell off so i i was left with my left kick pedal for like the second half of the show because i was only 16 17 maybe and i didn't even know how to put the mallet on the pedal i didn't know how it fell off i didn't know how to put it back on i didn't have a drum key i didn't know what that was but you know in that in that like four-year period from 15 to 18 19 um we we just kept going and we kept writing music we kept writing songs and we kept getting invited to play these bars and clubs and we were playing christian music um so uh we just we kept going aldo got invited to join bloodlines to fill in on the bass and uh a year later they were asking me to fill in on the drums and then we just we ended up going full full force on bloodlines and our other band kind of just slowly faded away but that that's kind of a a macro view on my metal drumming experience i see what was your 
first band called? My first band was called The Infinite. And I see. It's still available on Spotify. You can still okay. find it. It's called The Infinite. <laughs> we had a we had an EP called <laughs> All That We Can Mend EP. All right. How would you how do you look back on this EP? I look back on it quite fondly. I think the okay. the music itself is really really great. The production, um, you know, my my older brother, we we all did it at our house, uh, and we yeah. we did the best that we could do to our knowledge at the time. So it's it's a muddy mix. Uh, it's it's kind of funny when you hear it in in a contrast to a, a fully uh, funded studio album. Our our sound is is very quiet <laughs> yeah. and it's it's the songs are good though i really really love the songs and i i remember the infinite fondly because that's that's where i learned how to play the drums that's where i mm -hmm. you know every single friday i could count on meeting with the guys and and playing some metal music and talking about god and playing some more metal music and then falling asleep while everyone else is writing and then playing <laughs> some more metal music yes that sounds like if there was a perfect way to start a Christian metal band, that sounds like it would be yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, what year was it when you joined Bloodlines, just to give people perspective? Yeah, I joined Bloodlines um, late 2016. Um, the, the exact timeline goes as... They were about three or four songs into the Hostile Minds EP. Um, right. I was there when they released Deadlock. I was like, wow, this is good. Um, but I was still kind of like, I was, I was gung-ho for The Infinite. I was the drummer for The Infinite. No one else. <laughs> um, then they, they, they actually, the very first song um, that they wrote for Hostile Minds was uh, Disconnect. They showed me disconnect and I was like, wow, this is pretty good. It's, it's really unique. It's pretty new. And then they invited me to the studio in Houston. Cause I was, I was in town. Um, the guys are from South Texas, uh, okay. deep down South, very bottom tip. And, um, I moved to Houston. So, um, you know, just logistically speaking, it's a local band. It, it wasn't in my mind that, that I would ever drive four hours to, go and hang out with a local band um but the the studio that they were recording hostile minds in is in houston they invited me to go hang out and i heard esh for the first time and esh blew my mind so like, like crazy right i heard it and i was like <laughs> wow these guys are good <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I thought in my heart man i kind of want to join bloodlines and um, at that point, I had already filled in a couple of times for the guys. Um, they had some really good opportunities to play um, out of town and uh, they needed a drummer to fill in. So I learned the parts. I learned the I learned the drums uh, in an apartment with no drum set. You know, put it together with with the guys two days of practice and then we hit the road mm -hmm. and um and then I, I heard Ash and I was like, wow, this seems like something I should be a part of. And then I just texted Aldo like, hey, <laughs> what if I said I wanted to join Bloodlines? <laughs> and he goes, are you serious? 
And then he just added me to a group chat with the guys. <laughs> like it just it it just happened. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, my, my timeline for Bloodlines was was late 2016, early 2017. And by that point, they had they had already started like 2015. They released mm-hmm. it, they released the um the Bloodlines EP self-titled. And then um yeah, a year and a half later, I was I was knocking at their door. Yeah, I that sounds like a very natural naturally progressing way of joining a band yeah (laughs) you just get chucked straight onto a group chat after yeah (laughs) which yeah i guess in the modern age that's how you get initiated to bands yeah but yes my wee bloodline story was i don't know if you know the band taking the head of goliath but i was at a homeschool event yeah um, wearing their shirt and then one of the bands noticed it not one of the bands one of the dads noticed it and he was like oh is that a christian metal band and i was like yeah it is and he's like okay i listened to bloodlines in that so it's like what right so <laughs> <laughs> you have at least two listeners in scotland that's crazy <laughs> so <laughs> that's awesome yes so bloodlines was his worship music and then i introduced him to like convictions in for today and all that stuff yeah yeah (laughs) there's homeschool dads out there wow listen to your guys tunes wow that touches my heart because i was homeschooled for like first grade all the way up till till i went to public high school Mm -hmm. yes what age did you go to public high school i was 14 years old when I went to public 14. high school. Every everything before that was um studying at home or studying in a group of other homeschoolers at my church. Yeah. Like it was it was fun honestly. It was honestly fun uh but it was also really just I don't even it was a blur, man. It's all a big <laughs> blur. I don't even know how to explain my homeschool experience. Yeah. <laughs> I get you because like I've got different phases of homeschool experiences like there's I used to live in Canada so there's like that until I was 10 so there's like that area of things where I remember learning to read doing math and not much else um (laughs) so there's like that phase of things there's um I was connected with an online school so there's that and then there was GCSEs, which are kind of like mid-high school level mm-hmm. of qualifications. And then now I'm at college. But I'm curious, what was the transition like for you at 14 going into public school? Did you find that weird? or? Yeah, I did. Um, before then, I've, there's kind of this time limit that showed up here on the on the call. Yes, I'm aware. So All right. Yeah, so... My my high school transition was honestly a really difficult time for me. Hmm. Uh, my very first year of high school, I was 14 years old, and I was basically as socially inept as you would expect a homeschool kid to be. And I, I didn't understand uh, social cues. I didn't understand um, just how people worked. 
essentially, right? And mm-hmm. I I was a very easy target for a lot of people. So this is, I, I would say it was necessary in my life, but it was definitely one of the hardest points that I had faced thus far. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I suffered some severe bullying in high school. There was a kid who would kick me in the shins as hard as he could every time he saw me in the hallways. Uh, there was another kid who would slap me in the back of the head anytime he saw me whenever we were in the hallways or in the classroom, the teacher would look away. Um, I was just, I was constantly called gay. I was constantly made fun of for being a homeschooler. I was constantly just berated by every, every which way it seemed. Um, and then, and then I'm, I'm from South Texas. So there's, there's a, there's kind of a drug problem hmm. and a gang issue uh, with like cartels and things. So I don't know how, but I guess, I, I guess I, I made the wrong guy mad in, in biology class. And he started threatening me that his gang was going to follow me home and, and oh, come and dear. kill me. And I'm just like, wow, this, this is high school for me. You know, someone telling me to kill myself, oh, someone telling me they're going to kill me, two people physically assaulting me. And um, in my, in my homeschool mind, I thought, okay, I'm just going to go and tell the authorities. I'm going to go and tell my teacher, I'll go to Crime Stoppers and, and I'll talk yeah. to them. And it, it, it worked. I actually, I went okay. to the teachers and they, they got the students in trouble. And then I went to Crime Stoppers and then turns out this kid was on his third strike and, and they sent him to Chicago because that's where he was headed if he messed up again. And like, I, I felt vindicated, but I also didn't learn anything, you know, like, <laughs> If I if I learned anything, it was don't put up with people calling you names. Don't put up with that. You don't have to. Um, you don't have to just uh, run and hide and and listen to them and, and take what they're saying to heart. Uh, if you if you ask for help, someone will reach there or extend their hand towards you. I experienced that, and uh, uh, it 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 eventually all fizzled out. By my sophomore year, I had a, a better bearing on social cues and. My, by my junior year, I was like in school. People knew me. Um, I had my, my, you know, circle of friends. I was in choir. So I just hung out in the choir hall all the time, just uh, singing, making music with my lips and whatnot. Yeah. So kind of like almost like you were the reason that folks think that homeschoolers don't socially develop much. And then that backfired a bit. Yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> thought they thought I could be a target because, you know, I was I was uh, not in a state of understanding things. But mm-hmm. um, in my in my state of misunderstanding, I ended up just getting all of them in trouble. And then they stopped <laughs> messing with me. Literally, like some of them were <laughs> called by the like this, not the superintendent, kind of like the, the person underneath the principal. Mm-hmm. He called all of us into a meeting and made them apologize to me and their parents were there. And I'm thinking like, wow, this must be the most embarrassing thing because you think you're a gangster. You think you're a thug. And then you have to. Yeah. The the school (laughs) teacher guy brings in your mommy and daddy and they force you to apologize to a kid that you're bullying in front of your parents. I'm just thinking like, wow, this has got to be the most humiliating thing for this guy but i felt i felt the justice of god in that moment (laughs) i felt like i was vindicated 
That is an absolute power move. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the What Are You All About podcast. Right, so yeah, we were discussing probably the greatest bully comeback story I have heard in my life. No, it really, really is. It really is. <laughs> if, if there was ever a message that I wanted to share about bullying, it's um, please. Uh, don't don't believe the lie that snitches get stitches um, because snitches get the people who give stitches in the principal's office and they have to apologize to you with tears in their eyes. So, yes. <laughs> yes. So, quite the whirlwind of a intro high school year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so my brain's thinking, where do you go from there? <laughs> right. Yes. So what was your faith like during high school and that? Did you find it weird um, going from homeschooling to that? Or what was it like? Yeah. Yeah, I would say um, where high school put my faith to the test was I, f- I found like the most opportunity to sin was in Mm. that public school setting um people just inviting you places or to go drink or to go randomly go driving with some dude who doesn't have a license or you know just girls starting to try to come at me like i i had never experienced that that barrage of sin and i had also never really had to like flex my muscles against my sin nature but Mm -hmm. uh, i was i was very blessed to have avoided the the pastor's kid falling away and then coming Mm -hmm. back uh i i i'm very i'm very blessed that god kept me in all of that um Mm -hmm. through the bullying through the uh misunderstanding of people through uh just not not clicking academically either right like i didn't understand the public school system versus the homeschool system um god kept me through it all and um he comforted me in in every season that i was in in that time um you know when when my grades said that i wasn't smart he reassured me and told me that my identity is not based on my educational merit um when people bullied me he comforted me and told me that he'll never cast me away. He'll never turn his eyes from me. Um, and when I, when I struggled making friends for a little bit there, um, you know, I, I always, I, I was thankful for the church too. Cause I had, I had friends at church and I had uh, the friends that my brothers had made and they were really upright men of God. And I looked up to them and part of the, part of the blessing of, of having older men of God around you is you kind of, you kind of skip some of the phases that they went through because mm-hmm. they would tell me about some of the high school drama that they would go through. And I thought at 14 years old, wow, I don't want to do that. So <laughs> uh, the way that God kept me, it, one of the ways that God kept me was um, by being able to learn through other people's mistakes. And I, I just, for the most part, I, I lived a, a peaceable, quiet life in high school and I didn't really get in trouble at all. Well, uh, oops, 
Uh, I got in trouble one time, pretty bad <laughs> in high school. Um, it was my <laughs> it was my sophomore year. Um, basically, I I okay. I don't know the right way to set this up. We we all had this this friend. His name was I'll I'll leave him unnamed. I don't I don't know. Uh, we'll call him Sounds Billy. Good. Billy pantsed a kid and all of everything came down his pants his underwear and the kid freaked out and like jumped and did a spin turn and flashed everybody accidentally <laughs> and it, it's it's sad it, it sounds funny but but it really is yeah. it's sad right you know he he eventually just he mm-hmm. decided to to leave he left texas Ooh. and went to maine because he he couldn't handle the embarrassment hmm. and one day billy was standing in the middle of the choir hall holding up a bag of chips and he goes someone kick this bag of chips out of my hand come on anyone someone and he's just holding his hands up like that turned around and i don't know i think it it could have been the devil but one of my friends (laughs) leans into me and he goes hey you should pants him and and i i like i don't know why or how it happened he said those words and without thinking i just started walking forward (laughs) <laughs> and I pantsed Billy, the, the mm-hmm. guy who had just pantsed that other kid and made him leave state. Everything came down, his <laughs> pants, his underwear, and he flashed everybody in the choir hall. Thank God. Thank God it was it was men's choir, period. There, there, <laughs> there were no females in the in, there were no women, there were no ladies in the room. That's so it was good. it was all guys. So we, we saw some cheeks and I didn't anticipate that happening. And being the the upright person that I was, um, when Billy started to cry and he told the choir director um, that someone pantsed him, the choir director turns to everyone and says, who did it? Who did this? And then I I stepped forward. I raised my hand and they said, wow, Matthew, I can't believe it. This close to the competition, you could lose your eligibility. And um, I ended up going to juvie. I, I ended up going to juvie because I pantsed this guy and Oof. yeah, I know. I know. Um, his parents were like, we're like, I don't know if we're going to press charges or not. This could be sexual assault. And this is my second year in high school, mm-hmm. mind you. Right. The first year was crazy. This is my second year now. So yeah. my high school experience was just an accumulation of understanding the, the ways of the world uh, more and more. Um, but the, the cool thing about going to juvie, if you've ever heard anyone say that before, the cool thing about going to juvie was when I met the like drill sergeant instructor guy, he looked at my paperwork and couldn't believe his eyes. He was just <laughs> like, so you've, <laughs> he's like, you've never like failed any of your classes. Um, you've never gotten in school suspension. You've never been sent to the principal's office. You, you, you pantsed your friend. He laughed. He laughed. He was like, you pants your friend? And they, he goes, son, you don't belong here. He looked at my mom, <laughs> looked at me and said, son, you don't belong here. We have a separate classroom. You can just go and into that classroom while the rest of the kids are, you know, doing their activities. You can just do homework, come here every day. So I, I couldn't go to school for like a week and a mm-hmm. half, I think maybe two weeks. I went to the juvenile hall and I just stared at a piece of paper and did homework for two weeks (laughs) 
Yeah, so I guess the moral of the story for that is if you go to high school, wear a belt and... (laughs) (laughs) Wear a belt. (laughs) Yes, juvie is like a thing. I remember hearing about it when I was like seven. But yeah, what exactly is it? Because I've kind of got an idea of what it's like, but how do you explain that to... Yeah, people. I mean, based on what I saw, um, it's it's basically like junior jail, junior yeah. prison um, for like the very, very delinquent students. Um, they actually will be held in there for uh, uh, like a, a season of punishment, right? Based, mm-hmm. based off of our judicial system, um, kind of like in cases where uh, if a if a if a minor commits a crime that that he should be tried for, but because he's a minor, he can't be tried. The juvenile hall is kind of where they keep those people until they're old enough to be tried as an adult, which is crazy to think, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They also had programs at the juvenile hall for delinquent students who missed too many days of school and and just tried to skip all the time. And kids who got into a lot of trouble, um, graffitiing or or, uh, you know, damage to property for the Mm -hmm. third time or things like that. So me, I pantsed a guy and he, his butt cheeks were flashed to the men's choir. I was there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. So sadly, we've got to end very soon because me being the pastor's kid that I am, I have an intern meeting. Yeah, yeah. Um, So... But there's three questions I like to end a podcast with. So the first one is, what's something that's bringing you joy recently? Man, something that's bringing me joy recently has honestly just been rediscovering the beauty of the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could read a scripture briefly, it's uh, Romans, it. Romans 11, 33 through 36. It's, uh, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given to him a gift that he might be repaid for from him and to him and through him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. Um, That, that scripture has absolutely radically improved my life. Um, in the past six months, um, I prayed to God for knowledge. I prayed to God for wisdom and, and I, I prayed with faith, you know, not wavering like the waves or the wind. And he just kept pointing me in the right directions. He showed me the right books to buy. He showed me the right passages to read. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm just rediscovering the word in, in a, in a new way and, and in a fresh way. And, you know, as I'm reading through the Old Testament, I'm not I'm not going in with my preconceived notions, but I'm just saying, like, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? Yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) Yes. So the other two questions are, what do you want to plug and what do you want prayer for? Wow. Yeah, uh, first thing I'd like to plug is Bloodlines just released a single called Psalm of the Depths. It's about um, believing that we still serve a miracle working God and 
and he he still calls us out to walk on the water mm-hmm. sometimes by faith and we still <laughs> struggle with our faith <laughs> but he reaches out his hand if we are to sink uh if if and ever we we start to waver he keeps us and he still does miracles today um that's called psalm of the depths please go check it out uh it's on youtube it's on spotify um second thing i'd like to plug i i just started a a, another project with my good friend danny vitola and eric slider it's called Mm -hmm. colasse um we just released our debut single called the seduction of influence um it's available everywhere there's a visualizer on youtube and it's on spotify uh i'd love it if you would go check that out um it, it means the world to me and something i'd like prayer for hmm i i would like to to ask for prayer for um for a financial abundance my wife and i are just about to start uh going into um higher higher education she and i are both about to go and get an accredited bachelor's degree online so uh just praying that god makes a way financially for that to happen uh, it already seems like he's put his hand on it um both of us only are going to end up needing twelve thousand dollars for the entire bachelor's degree mm-hmm. and um and then you know a couple of years down the line i'm i'm going to be pursuing a master's so just for for the provision of the lord financially there yeah amazing this has been a really good conversation thanks for coming on Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really, really loved it. Yes. Maybe you'll come to Scotland someday and all two of your fans over here will (laughs) (laughs) show up. Yes. Yeah, I'd love that. We could have a worship night. Yes, it'll be lit. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, thank you. Bro, thank you. I really, really loved it. If you listened all the way through that, thank you so much. Feel free to send me a message either on Instagram at Elijah underscore JP underscore metal underscore official or email me at Elijah JP metal at gmail.com. If you want to help out this podcast, share on social media or with friends and rate it on Spotify or review it if you listen on Apple Podcasts. And thank you so much for listening.